Sony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys coming to you at the tail end of the 2021-2022 season. Everything, well, most things up for grabs uh, this weekend. Title race to go, race for fourth spot and the last relegation spot as well. I'm joined by Kaiser and Viswash. How are we doing, boys? Hello, hello. Hello, Very hello. Good. Nervous okay. about the last week. Not bad, not oh. bad. Uh, I don't nothing much really lah. United nothing to play for already. Nothing right. so to play okay for lah. So let's uh, looking let's forward get to you, next uh, season. <laughs> looking for good, good. So let's get you talking on uh, the city rivals and their big revelation after you know playing for multiple seasons without a recognized number nine. They've gone out of their way uh, to sign probably the best under twenty three player in the world, uh, Erling Haaland. Looks like he's joining Manchester City for what is reported, I think something like sixty million pounds, which is the release clause that he had in his Dortmund contract. Uh, this is on top of uh, a thirty-four million pound agent fees, which should have gone to the late Mino Reola. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. 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 Mino. One listen, one prayer. <laughs> one, <laughs> one listen. So he's gonna oh. get about five <laughs> prayers. Uh, <laughs> and on top of that, a four hundred pound per week wage plus bonuses. How do you think? Uh, what are your initial thoughts, Vis, when you heard when you heard this was done? Um, uh, for me, I thought it was a uh, game over, lah. Already, City are so good, and now with Haaland coming, initially my initial reaction was oh, game over. And then after you sort of like, like it settles in and like, hmm, so long City haven't played with the number nine. Uh, let alone like a number nine like Haaland. How is he going to fit in to the City squad? Of course, that's another question altogether. But I think I think he's going to do well. I think 20 goals, at least minimum 20 goals. Oh, 20 goals in the league. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I think another thing was, yeah, game over sort of. That's a uh, first thought. But also, not too surprising. I think we talked at the start of the season that Haaland used Dortmund sort of a, as a stepping stone and was always going to eventually make this move and then the whole Kane thing that didn't work out as well I think it was prime for Haaland to make this move but now that it's happened uh, yeah we really have to see whether it's another Werner or not not Werner remember at the beginning of the season I said Lukaku is going to score about 30 league goals (laughs) (laughs) and so did a lot of our listeners uh, on the Insta poll to be fair so let's hope uh, uh, I'm similar on uh, Haaland because I think he's going to do quite well. But just looking at his track record, okay, fine. We can say there's a Bundesliga tax and stuff in the fact that a lot of Bundesliga graduates or players coming from Germany have not quite managed to not only live up to the numbers they had in the Bundesliga, but quite a big drop-off in performance. Like you said, Werner is obvious one now and uh, Pulisic is another one. Maybe there's a big question mark with injuries there. Sancho is another one that, you know, again, I think he showed more sort of encouraging signs, but nowhere close to the performances he was he was exhibiting in the Bundesliga. I think the big thing yeah, about yeah. Haaland is, 
0.92 non-penalty goals per 90 minutes in the league. Great, right? But the thing is, yeah, his performances yeah. in the Champions League, he's got an even better record than that. Yeah, yeah, that's know? crazy. That's the mm. weird thing. So when you argue about his output in the Bundesliga, and you talk about, oh, the Bundesliga tax and all, but he's smashing it against the best teams in the world in the Champions League, you know? So that's sort yeah. of your... It's that's hard scary. to argue that, yeah. So I think then the next question is, like you said, I mean, Vis, I think you've already alluded to this, right? The fact that City don't really play the way that Dortmund play. In the sense that Dortmund, yeah. I would say, are more a uh, counter-press team. They're not really much of a possession side that how Guardiola has built this team. It's more... Yeah. You, 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 you have a look at a lot of Haaland's goals and it's him literally running from almost a half running. round. Yeah. Just yeah. pace, power. Always through yeah. on goal. Space in through on goal. Yeah. When do you yeah. see City, City scoring that goal? That's more of a Liverpool Very goal. rarely. Maybe two years ago. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the big question, yeah. that's the next question, Mark. And I think this will be the relationship between Guardiola and Haaland and how they can sort of work around this, right? Uh, yeah. And do, do you think it can do it? Because Pep has done it with Aguero before. Aguero wasn't a striker. He... That, like know. the playmaker sort of striker. And then he slowly evolved, la, you know. And Aguero eventually listened to him and became a better player than he was already. So, yeah, there are uh, things like, for example, Haaland is not good with his feet. He's not the most technically gifted players out there. Uh, that's going definitely going to be an issue. But for me, I, the way I look at it, Pep's not going to make a signing that he... Sh- I'm sure he has a plan for it. He's not going to go out and just simply buy because he's the next superstar or whatnot. I'm sure he'll be able to implement him. Maybe it'll be a new style. Who knows? I mean, they were able to change to not playing with the f- uh, in-and-out number nine. And then now I'm sure they can sort of change back their style to accommodate Haaland. And, you know, he's one of the best goal scorers of the planet. So why not? Yeah, and apart from him scoring goals, like we always see, I think those are the highlight reels where he's just like storming through from the halfway line onto goal. But he also scores a lot of goals uh, when he's in the box and as a poacher. So his movement in the box is lauded to be one of the best around the way he deceives uh, defenders of going one way, then the other, then um, scoring the goal in the 6-yard or that 12-yard area. So I think definitely how City play when they slowly inch through on the sides, especially with Cancelo and that side. And then when, once they make a breakthrough through the wingers to cut in through Haaland, I think that'll be one of the type of goals we see a lot next season. I think that's spot on. Uh, you all That 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 cutback goal you're talking about, Kaiser, where it's either one of the midfielders who's broken past Kyle Walker or Cancelo, or Cancelo and Kyle Walker getting to the byline and cutting it Themselves, through. Yeah. How many times do we see Aguero or Jesus calling that goal? So, yeah, definitely something that I could see Haaland constantly just getting getting that type of goal. Scary prospect for the rest of the league. They've already added Jack Grealish for 100 million pounds. Um, so I don't know how uh, other teams are gonna in the league are gonna compete. Probably we're thinking about Liverpool and Chelsea, who've also played in the FA Cup final this weekend. Uh, I think if you're a Chelsea fan, looking back at this, you can feel pretty hard done by. Uh, to play almost, what, 240 minutes of football in two finals and still lose out on penalties in both games. It seems very harsh, but Vis, I know you watched the game from a neutral point of view. Was it a deserved result or do you think, uh, you know, it's it's a bit harsh? Um, I think uh, Liverpool started out the game well. I think they were definitely the strongest side, I think, first 20 minutes. Um, they had some clear-cut chances that Liverpool should have scored, but Mendy was the keeper he was, and 
Chelsea sort of grew into the game. They had their chances as well. So towards the end, right, even when it was in extra time, I felt it was more of a 50-50, la, like an in-and-out final. La. I'm not going to go out my way and say that, oh, Liverpool deserved to win that 100%. No, Chelsea defended well when they needed to. And and on penalties, yeah, they deserved to win, la, Liverpool, you know. But they, based on the quality of chances over the 90-120 period, you would say Liverpool had Yeah, that's true. Yeah, them. yeah. I think the whole game is sort of summarised in these two players. So, I was watching Reese James and I thought... I mean, I already think he's a good player, but watching him in person, I was like, shit, this guy is... He's great. He's really good. But then you look at the end of the game and Luis Diaz gets played, you know, man of the match. And he was playing against Reese James. So, and, and I think that summarises the game nicely in the sense that Chelsea didn't play badly. They really... I, I think they did play well... But it's just that little bit of quality. I think Liverpool had a bit more. And then even then, they don't really convert. They don't really get a goal and it goes to penalties. And um, yeah, I, I think if your Chelsea fan is happening to you the second time at Wembley this season, right, it's very, very harsh. Uh, but it's lost a few finals already. Well, it's five in, in a row, right? Years, uh, five are in a row at Wembley now. Um, crazy. Yeah. Mason Mount had what? That, did you see that meme? He had six finals. He's lost all six at Wembley. Poor thing, huh? <laughs> Another meme. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor it wasn't a meme, like, it was more of like a like, <laughs> mention. Yeah. But then, then we look back in the league and we talk about fine margins. We go into literally game week 38 now. Last game of the season. <laughs> 37 played. How does this happen? And we still don't know who's going who's gonna to finish up on top. City play Villa. So there's a big narrative there with obviously Steven Gerrard, Philippe Coutinho, ex-Liverpool boys. Uh, Liverpool go to Wolves. Again, this is not an unfamiliar situation. Uh, in the season where Liverpool yeah. finished one point behind City, it was a very similar thing. I remember City going 1-0 down to Brighton and it gives you that little bit of hope. It gives you that tiny bit of hope and then they went and destroyed them after that. So, Kaiser, Liverpool point of view, how do you how do you feel going into this final week? What is the... What is the expectation? What have you convinced yourself is going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I remember we did a pod when we saw that oh, at a certain stage, we were one point behind and similar to that season that you were just referring to. Uh, and so I definitely from then, I still had my hopes very low. And I still had my hopes very low up until actually this week because you still give yourself that chance that, oh, it's a one-off game. Uh, and then like you said, the Stevie G narrative and you start to sort of fake yourself into believing this could happen. But Man City are playing at home. Uh, Aston Villa not in the greatest of form. Um, I think it's City's title, to be honest. Uh, but I have a little bit more hope than I did uh, the previous weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, people are talking like as if Steven Gerrard, you know, oh yeah, Stevie G is gonna park the bus, man. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna make it difficult. As if Steven Gerrard wouldn't have been trying to get a win anyways in that game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Vis, from again a neutral yeah. point of view, how is your sort of feeling towards this weekend? It's a lot. Uh, there's a lot that can go down, and like Kaiser said, I think it's still in City's hands. I mean, when looking back, when when Spurs got the result that they got at Anfield, I was like, you know, this is over, lah. You know, it was a bit of a relief. Yeah. You know, as a United fan, I didn't want to see the quad like happening, right? And then that game against West Ham, you know, they're losing two 0 City. I'm like, what? Are they gonna let this slip? Ah, are you serious? Second half, they showed. You know why they're so good at what they do. They came back and they should have won. I felt with that Mares penalty miss, but they didn't. But so exciting, lah, guys! Towards the it's one point away, last game of the season. This shit, wow, I love it, lah! I love it. 
It's nice. And like we were saying just now, so obviously top of the league, we don't know what's going to happen. And then we go a few spots below and we don't know who is going to end up with the Champions League spots. So Vis, let's talk about Arsenal and Spurs. North London derby, not just in a game, but also in a race for fourth spot. Arsenal looked like everything was going in their way. They had picked up loads of form. They weren't conceding goals. Spurs weren't picking up results. Conte had come in and already was thinking of leaving. United were united. Uh, and West Ham, I think, fell off after they got their Europa League you know, priorities in place. So what has happened that now we are on the last day of the season is basically Spurs. They go to Norwich, who uh, for all intents and purposes are the worst team in the league. And they only need a draw and they're through. So th- th- tell us about the game that's coming up, th- has come up to this point for both teams. I think um, I'm not going to go as far as saying that that Spurs versus Arsenal game, I think that was what decided it for Arsenal. But no, I think that, that three games that they lost on the bounce prior to that against, I think, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Brighton, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And they were already at sort of... A f- they've made it 50-50 with Spurs on who would get top four. And Spurs just destroyed Arsenal that game. And as soon as that happened, they were right smack to become favourites to finish in the top four, you know. And I think that game, just looking at it, um, Spurs dominated in every department, a very, very matured performance. Um, you know, this goes back to the set of players that they have. You know, I have like three, four games to make it. And who would I rather rely on? Um, and Ketia um, holding people like this, Saka and all, or Kane and Son, Hoiberg, these experienced lot, you know. And I always had a feeling that they were going to pull through. But yeah, looking at that, that game showed everything, you know, that... Like how you summarized the uh, the the match earlier uh, between two players, right? I would say Son versus Holding was pretty much the whole North London derby. You know, Son he won his individual battle against Holding. Um, it, it just showed how naive Holding was, you know, in that situation, and how experienced Son is. Like for the f- the, the the I think uh, he got in a yellow card. The first yellow card for Holding was in twenty fifth minute. And then, because they were kept, they kept tangling uh, with each other. Son kept dropping deep. It was part of the game plan. Conte knew this, you know. He he's the one who set it up. Son kept dropping back and uh, pulled holding out of position again and again, trying to get him on a one v one. And Son just sort of just spun him and kept running, you know. And, and, and it was a nuisance. And then seven, him. yeah, yeah, rattled him max, you know. And and seven minutes later, he got the second yellow for shoving Son and. And yeah, Son played City like uh, Son played holding like a little boy la. That's what yeah. Gary Neville said, you know. Yeah, and he's right. But Raul, you're saying earlier on. But but the thing yeah. is, I think you're you know not your, but you're absolutely right. I think when you look at the result and then you look back at the highlights, it seems that way, right? Spurs, you know, got his spot on. But the thing is, Arsenal started the game very well. Arsenal started the yes. game very well, and the first setback and the first change is Cedric. Yeah. Pushing over, yeah. not push, you know, I mean, he's fouled for the penalty and that changes the yeah. game. And this has been the problem for Arsenal throughout Arteta's reign. Silly mistakes, senior players losing their heads. They are still the highest team under the time Arteta has been in the Premier League for red cards in the league. Correct cards, what, yeah. what, you, do, do you know what I mean? That you could, there's an extent where you can say, oh, we're unlucky, oh, we're building towards something, oh, do you know... But simple things like this, senior pro like Cedric, Holding is not a young guy as well. And they are throwing yeah. away what could have been. You said, yes, the three games before that, they dropped points. But a big team and a good manager would say, 
we don't lose today this is in our hands and they literally throw it exactly. away 3-0 yeah yeah i think it's it's definitely to do like we said with the experience thing it's not only the players but also i think the manager himself you know as in there's not just not enough experience to handle these kind of situations and even though there's so much quality in the squad in these kind of situations i think they don't know how to control themselves no one takes control of the situation and how to handle these things and i think one one mistake happens i think it's like a domino effect and it can just really escalate and that's what we saw at spurs yeah that one goal really put them off like that penalty right as soon as they were they were one goal down arsenal are the um i think the team with the least points gained from losing position this this entire season you know so yeah. they so yeah. as soon as they 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 are the back foot they're done lah you know pretty much and yeah the mental really capacity showed, yeah. yeah there's only so no, much and that you know that that game really s- not only physically psychologically impacted them as well because when they went over to newcastle they weren't any better you know that really damaged them that game so like okay let's look at the the newcastle game after Spurs beat Burnley. Spurs are in the driving seat already. They're in fourth, you know. So for Arsenal right now, it's just two games left. You beat Newcastle and then you beat Everton. You have top four, you know. But against Newcastle, arguably your most important game of the season, and you play like the way you played, you know. And this time, I don't think we can go back to Arteta, because even the the players, you know, themselves came out and said Zaka came out and said, you know, these players who played today, they don't deserve to be in the Champions League because that's how poor they were. They ju- weren't just they just weren't good enough. Newcastle had so many more chances. Yeah, more actually, chances exactly. Well. Yeah, they won two zero. For those of you who don't know, they beat Arsenal two 0 and they shut down Arsenal in every way. Arsenal couldn't progress the ball from the back, nor through the midfield, and. And uh, even in Arteta's post-match, right, he, he, what he said was normally, I can sit here, I, I can defend the players, but what we've done today is, is not easy. You know, he's someone who's always like, very similar to Pep, if the team play like shit, result like shit or whatever, he's going to, I'm very proud of my players, you know. Mm. But this time, even he gave up. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the problem. So I don't think there's any doubting that Arteta has put together a team that is capable of getting results, a team that is capable of playing very good football. But what keeps letting them down is the mentality side, right? And then we talk about Arsenal having all these young players that they're very dependent on. When you look at it, it's not the young players that are letting them down. It's the senior pros, you know. It's the senior pros. It's the it's the it's the people in the squad where you think, okay, they're not contributing so much in terms of goal contributions or in terms of putting in their work rate. But they should they should have that exact same news that. Sun showed right in getting holding book. You don't see this from Arsenal players. Exactly. There's no that know how is n- not there. You don't. Yeah, it's like the experienced pros for Arsenal versus the experienced pros for Spurs, who are Kane, Son, Hoiberg. These these guys play like experienced pros. When you know when push comes to shove, they deliver lah. At the end of the day, correct. And then you see this in the next game. So we talked about Newcastle Arsenal. After the North London derby, Spurs go to Burnley. And I think uh, a lot of people thought, oh, they're in hot form. This is, you know, they're going to batter them. But Burnley are fighting for relegation and we'll come on to them later. It was a very tough game. But despite that, yeah. uh, Spurs pulled the result out. Yeah, they grinded it yeah. out. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, think I think, that's that's I think there are instances There are instances in the season where Spurs were Spursy, as they call it. I mean, this whole fourth race... Uh, fourth spot race is a farce to be honest this yeah. season uh, 
So I think there were times in the season um, that Spurs also definitely dropped points. But I think Conte has really found his rhythm. Conte uh, has taken Spurs when he took over. Sorry, Kaiser, to interrupt you. He, he Just yeah. to show this how much of a joke this top four race is. Uh, Conte <laughs> took over Spurs when Spurs were ninth. Ninth and he's made it top four. What a job he's done, lah. You know, with his January signings, Kulusevski, Bentancur, you know, they've worked wonders for him. What a yeah, to be fair to him. Yeah, yeah to Kulusevsky, be fair to him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really and Arsenal, I don't know. But last two seasons, they finished eighth. This season, anything can still happen. They can still finish fourth if Spurs lose to Norwich. But, but I think the Very Arsenal have likely. a lot of work to do, especially going into next season. This season was your chance, without any European football, to sort of snatch that top four spot. You know, you already have an advantage over the other teams. But now you're going to the next season with Europa League looming. How is this squad going to balance it up both you know how are they going to get top four next season the, if, if any season they were to get top four would have been this season yeah i think at the start of the season though despite not having european competition i think yeah fifth spot and finishing above united would have been considered i think a realistic target uh, but as we discussed i think yeah how they've fallen from such a strong position yeah but i guess it's the way the season, season the the way the season panned out you know, you would have expected Arsenal to, you know, finish fourth. At one point, they were really good. Before that three-in-a-row loss they had, they were on pole, you know, to finish fourth and they sort of just crumbled. I think the reason that Arsenal, the same reason that Arsenal are not going to finish fourth are the exact same reason they shouldn't be in the Champions League. And possibly, you know, we as football fans are very impatient and we see things in a very micro view, I would say. But I think after finishing eighth twice, now to finish fifth, you know, above United is nothing to scoff at. Uh, again, I think the store you see how successful this season is only on the balance of seeing what next season and maybe the season after will be. And the same thing for Spurs, right? We who knows what next season will be. They have they come out of the group stage of Champions League. They're in literally the same place as as Arsenal as well. So I think that's loads. Yeah, I think one uh, more th- oh, go on, Kaiser. Yeah, one more thing. I think is just. Like the improvement, like you said, the context, uh, how Arteta was at the start of the season and how the team was at the start of the season versus how they've ended the season, I think that's something, a massive improvement, to be honest. Definitely. So I think that's the fourth pace, uh, sort of uh, look back at the games and looking forward to the games done. Um, Let's talk about relegation. Relegation uh, candidates, possibly, after the break. See you then. The wrong end of the table. Third spot for relegation into the championship is still up for grabs. Currently, uh, we are recording on Wednesday. So this is before Thursday's games. Everton are in 16th place on 36 points. Leeds uh, after 37 games on 35 points. And Burnley on 36 games with 34 points. So Burnley and Everton still have to play tomorrow. But those are 16, 17 and 18. Difficult to make a call now. It's mathematically possible that all three teams still could go down. Um, My feeling is that the most likely of the three is Leeds. I don't know if you two are going to disagree. Yes, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just looking. Oh my God. But just looking back at uh, their performances over the last few games... I think the writing's on the wall, possibly. Who knows what's going to happen. But Kaiser, you look back at their form, three losses, two draws. I mean, they started the season not in the best of ways under Bielsa. They've made a change 
had a little bit of a new manager bounce and then they were back again where we are and i think leeds are now uh you know under bielsa they were definitely a team with such a strong identity you knew what you got with leeds united and now they're very they're sort of the opposite i don't really know what leeds united is anymore are they a pressing team are they a defensive team are they a transitional team i have no idea and this has a lot to do with a lot or lit- a lot or little to do with what the manager has done since he's come in Jesse Marsh, I think, yeah, you're right in saying uh, that they had an identity. And I think it was interesting that they made the change uh, to Marsh at that time of the of the season. And we, I think what we're seeing here is could be similar to Sheffield United. I think the second season syndrome, where the first season <clears throat> Leeds came up, surprised everyone uh, with their style of play. I think the second season, teams just get a, a lot more uh, used to how Leeds play, know what to expect. Yeah. But I think the big uh, red flag was the lack of signings they made. And when Bamford got injured, for example, who was a massive player for them last season, uh, the drop-off in quality was huge. Uh, who was, for example, Roberts, Rodrigo, uh, those type of players who definitely d- couldn't do any numbers uh, near to Bamford. Uh, but as you mentioned, Jesse Marsh, um, definitely have to hop on him for a bit because I think he's gotten the limelight recently. He came in super confident, super ambitious, but when he's you're not so getting American, results... He's so American, and I think uh, if you're American, you are, <laughs> anything you do is going to be just <laughs> evil ball. Man. Exactly, on, especially on English soil, right? uh, with the English media, you know you're going to get it. And uh, <laughs> recently he's been saying that he has many excerpts from books that he uses uh, to motivate players. So from Muhammad Ali, Phil Jackson, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, JFK. Uh, I think one of the players, Harrison, I think came out and said this. So I don't know if It's Marcia just not the thing I would say about in your position, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But being real, so uh, that's I think not anything I would say. <laughs> I think, yeah, at the start when Leeds were doing quite well and they saw a shift in morale and play I think he was lauded for his confidence but now it's looking like maybe overconfidence especially things that he's saying like in three years Leeds he's expecting to be the best academy in Europe and they're going to be competing for Europe consistently I mean it's a bit de- bordering on delusional uh, I feel and also he bashed <laughs> Ted, Ted, Les- Ted Lesser stuff <laughs> Ted Lasso, exactly. Yeah. What was the tweet I uh, no, told you about? Obviously. I've not even watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, yeah. but. <laughs> I, I, this is exactly what Ted Lasso said, and I've never watched Ted Lasso before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and then the big one was him bashing Bielsa as well for overtraining the players, right? I think that was before this Muhammad Ali Gandhi stuff. Uh, so he's, yeah, he's, he's come in and made quite... Um, um, an impression uh, to put it one way but the results are just not showing I think there definitely is some truth to his comments on Bielsa uh, you know and this is probably evidenced by if you look at the injury record of all the teams in the Premier League they are only behind Everton in minutes lost to injury and if you look at it even more in yeah. detail you see that 50% of the injuries are all sort of soft tissue slash fatigue related injuries and again, is mm. this the consequence of uh, being a bit silly? You know, last season, people keep on saying, oh, Leeds can't keep going, they can't keep going, they can't keep going. There was a drop-off, to be fair, yeah. at the end of last season. Actually, remember we watched it, uh, we saw the chart where Athletic put the, the amount that Leeds ran versus all the other teams. It was just way past any other team. 
Uh, yeah, exactly that. And I think that's why as much as we want to make fun of the American, right? He's, you know, he's been given a very difficult job in the sense that I think Bielsa got this squad to overperform because he asked a lot of them, way more mm. of them than possibly is even safe. So this, then you, you, you find yeah. a team now that has struggled in their second season because of what they achieved in their first season. Do you know what I mean? And now they're at risk at the tail end of this season. They don't have a performance in them. Um, how have you seen their their last few games, and how do you think it's been it's been influenced by the season before? I agree with almost everything you guys have just said, but I don't know. Was it a right thing for Jesse to come out and say that, like blame the previous manager of what he did? You know, when things are not working out well. Maybe it's true, I don't know, but I think he could have handled it better. But then again, I think, yeah, initial new manager bounce and then sort of died off, isn't it? Initially, you know, there were a lot of interviews uh, post-match with him where he talks about his tactics, what he wants to do and all that. But this was when they were relatively playing well, you know. But now, if you go look back at all that, it kind of looks stupid, you know, the, the position that they're in. And we and the thing exactly is, he's got pedigree, right? Sorry. He was manager of both the RB yeah. teams. Like that, he, we again yeah. like we say he doesn't help him because just because of his accent. But the thing is, he is a good manager. Yeah. There is pedigree behind <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. does, he does. But it, then again, I think maybe it's a second season syndrome. Like we saw that with Sheffield United last season. We saw that with we're seeing that with Leeds right now. Maybe next season we'll see that with Brentford. You know, who knows? Because all these three teams, relatively, the first season, I think they finished, what, top half table or right smack in the middle of the table, you know? Yeah, definitely overachieved. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, overachieved. Like, like yeah. oh, what the hell? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, talking of Brentford, Kaiser leads, obviously, last game of the season. That's why they have to go to get a result. Uh, you know, one of the more clever teams, maybe I can say, Brentford are. They are punching way above their weight. They've got a really good scouting team, really good analyst team. Uh, similar to Brighton and Leeds really struggled in that Brighton game I thought they were quite lucky um, moment of magic from Gal- Galhart to get the equalising goal but yeah. I think what, what, a, what a piece of skill, skill in the 92nd minute <laughs> definitely but I, I think again <laughs> they're probably going to struggle in this game against Brentford I, I really just can't see them pulling out a result you know no matter how desperate the situation is no, I think it being Brentford's last home game, I think makes a, a big difference as well. I think in your last day of the season... And no pressure. Yeah, but Leeds have something to play for, you know. Tough. Leeds have something to play for. Brentford don't, you know. Yeah, but, but you I don't think Brentford against... I think we'll touch Brentford-Everton's game in the yeah, Everton section. Yeah. But uh, the way Brentford played, even though Everton had something to, to play for. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we've seen a few results where teams who have nothing to play for uh, get results so yeah I'm, it's looking very worrying for Leeds I don't see them getting a win uh, but this one-off games man anything can happen the Everton game for example we'll talk about as well yeah and then obviously the, the, the one we haven't touched on so far is Burnley everyone knows we spoke about them in the last spot and we were lauding the job Michael Jackson did in the first uh, four games he took 10 points from a possible 12 it was looking great. And then they come up to Villa and Spurs. We spoke about the Spurs game. They're pretty unlucky. The Villa game, they were poor. And I think that's the worrying thing because they have to um, get a result against Villa tomorrow. Uh, they are suffering with loads of injuries. Ben Mee is out. Tarkovsky is out. 
Uh, Vidra came back, looked like he was doing really well and he's done his ACL. So things aren't looking good for them. Um, Viz, you might be able to add in here because we look, we talk about the Spurs game and we said Spurs handled it really well. It was a mature performance. They managed to grind out the result. But I think Burnley were, were actually quite unlucky. You know, Michael Jackson had a really yeah. good plan. He matched the five five at the back, the wing backs from Spurs, nullified that threat. They did have chances, but again, no luck. No luck. And I think Burnley had really no struggled luck, no. with... yeah. Yeah, but that game, they really defended well. They stuck to the game plan. They really made it uh, difficult for Tottenham, for sure. And the only thing that separated the both of them in the end was that, that stupid handball. Uh, you know, it's it's a, sometimes it's a penalty, sometimes it's not, I think. But yeah, it's the only thing that separated the two, two, two sides. But then again, I think maybe Son did have... You know, he could have scored two goals, I think, in that second half when Burnley had to come out a bit more. But yeah... Uh, I still think they're going to make it. They're not going to get relegated just because they have an extra game over uh, Leeds. And yeah, I think I think it'll work out for them. They'll just make it. They'll just make it. I mean, you have to give it to uh, Michael Jackson and the team who have taken over. They are trying new things. They tried to put Ashley Barnes up front with Corne. I thought it looked pretty good. But I think now is the time for players like, obviously, like we mentioned, Corne. But it's time for players like Wegos. It's time for players like McNeil who have said, oh, you know, we feel better after Daesh has left. We've got a bit more attacking freedom. It's time for them to start converting. It's time for them to start scoring goals. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I guess then the second question is, he's come out and said, the manager has come out and said, you know, he keeps making changes according to the opposition they play. But this is so unburnly. Right, this is so unburnly. They've yeah. always stuck to their plan, and now they're asking a team to constantly change what they're doing. I don't know if this is the smartest way to go about things. Um, so yeah, I think there's a big ask, a big ask on that team, and I put them as probably second favorites to go down after Leeds, right? Yes, same. Yeah, it shows what amazing job this <laughs> Jackson <Amazing>. has done. <laughs> Amazing. It's amazing job, Michael. Amazing job. <laughs> amazing job. <laughs> uh, ten what? Ten points from twelve games, right? Uh, when he first came in, and yet they're still and they're eighteen still there. in the league. So it shows like yeah. they start, they started from a terrible position, and just shows I mean how terrible Leeds have done because we weren't even we're talking about Everton Burnley, I felt right for a yeah. while, and, and then Leeds, Leeds suddenly just, just came into the picture, sunk down time, yeah sunken down real bad um but yeah i think what you said about him having to change his tactics i think against a team like newcastle on the last day of the season i think that might work in his favor just because newcastle are just a different beast uh under eddie house so i think it'll be important for him to nullify people like bruno wilson who's back and firing last game as well yeah, I think he needs to close down Joe Linton. I think he's a beast, bro, actually. He's oh so important God. to the Newcastle <laughs> team, man, actually. He's going to move to Barcelona. Yeah, he's an underrated season, monster. He's replace Busquets. So we uh, <laughs> we can't talk about tactics without talking about Frankie Lampard. La, huh? Tactical genius. He's pulled out Boy, some clutch results. Uh, got the result at Chelsea. Uh, his old team uh, doing him a favour. Um, they seem <laughs> like... Unfortunately, they might survive. <laughs> you know, it was yeah, favorites <laughs> to survive. Yeah, yeah. 
the dream. But, uh, awesome. They're playing so well that I I, I got Mikalenko into my team, bro. You know, yeah. we're bringing Pickford, <laughs> Mikalenko, players like this. I'm glad you still you managed know? to bring FPL yeah. into this uh, Bola Boys podcast. But yeah, just goes to show what Everton can do, you know. Not bad. Not bad, Lampard. Not bad. No, but you have to you have to give it to I them. Mean, There's no new manager bounce. Uh you know, like how Burnley have had and Kaiser, they managed to pull out some some clutch results, man. Yeah, I mean decent job. You said I think it's interesting how it's panned out. It's always we talk about this the context, like overall I think Lampard has done a terrible job. <laughs> but it's just that he somehow survived this past he few was shit game weeks. But not uh, that shit. <laughs> Yeah, but not that shit. I mean, to be even in this position is terrible. But, of course, caveat it um, with what squad he inherited. I yeah. think we talked about this. Uh, but it's important to note that the team was full of injuries. Uh, like you mentioned, Leeds was second. Everton was top uh, for a number of minutes lost to, due to injuries this season. He inherited a broken squad with low morale. And then even the uh, transfers, he came in in January, but the Vanderbilt deal was almost completed. Yeah. Uh, Deli Ali was um, high, um, got in uh, from the key figures above, uh, not really under his control. Uh, but we have to give him credit for things like um, working with Gordon and really highlighting him as uh, a key yeah, player in the squad. True. And you can see that by putting faith in him, he's really succeeded um, in the past few months. And apparently, especially that Liverpool game, which I thought was he was definitely their best player by far. Yeah. And um, to and be fair, he set up well for that Liverpool yeah. game, just to highlight. La. And I think he played relatively exactly. well against Liverpool. Yes, he's a Merseyside derby and all, but but I think we have to give well. Lampard credit to the the fact that he sort of changed, not sort of, he changed his playing style. His, his you know, yeah. is more pragmatic now with Everton. He didn't play like this with Chelsea, you know, so it's it's it's, it's good in, 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 in that sense. And But he showed against, la, against, Ever, uh, against Brentford what we saw what happened right i think we can't say typical everton, everton style uh, chance to get safety uh, guaranteed <laughs> the relax inner everton in the just comes game, out like once, once in a while they just had to go down to nine <laughs> men no uh, no no <laughs> this is karma for all, this is karma for all the shit richarlison does la, to be honest <laughs> two red cards and it was deserved as well. Both of them were sto- stonewall rates. There's no complaints. Both <laughs> red cards, no argument from either yeah. play. Rondon came on like five minutes before that. Two-footed someone is like, uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough, man. I'm going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like saying sorry, but like also just on the way out. Even their goal's damn lame. Yeah. La. Lost their their goal, the Richarlison assist so-called to Dominic Kevin-Lewin's stomach. And then they scored their first goal. <laughs> then the second goal was a stupid penalty that he kept rolling for I don't know how long. Ay. And then the t- <laughs> freaking weird-ass penalty yeah. that took forever to fucking... But I think <laughs> yeah. it's uh, very <laughs> probable that they definitely get a result at Crystal Palace tomorrow and then they go into the last game of the season. No pressure. Arsenal fans will be hoping they beat Crystal Palace, Palace tomorrow so they, they've, they've got an easy ride on the last game of the season. So, I mean, yeah. predictions for relegation side, I think we've all sort of got leads most probable to go down. Yeah, I know. Because I just can't see Burnley not picking up <laughs> points, at least a point in the last two games. And I just don't see Leeds, Leeds doing anything in the last game of the season. Do you guys disagree? I think it's close, but I still think Leeds. Like, I think Brentford have a chance to just 
basically not sure. I mean, they're not the most um, consistent team. Uh, but yeah, I think looking at the odds and Burnley having an extra game, being just one point behind. Yeah. Both teams, right? Yeah. Everton and Burnley have an extra game compared to yes. Leeds, correct? Compared to Leeds, so yeah. yeah, I think based on that correct. itself, I think Leeds are not going to make it. Lah. Unfortunate. Lovely. So speaking of predictions, that's that brings us nicely to our score predictor. As before, Kaiser will not be moved at the top on 29, Vis on 21. And uh, my pathetic score of 13 is theirs. We can all ignore that. So we got five uh, bumper predictions to end <laughs> the season on. Wow. First one is City. Hey, shall we Let's change the... Sorry, sorry. Sorry, What, double points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we? Oh, nice try, Vis. Nice try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Can you keep the integrity no, no, of this, this competition? This is a game, prestigious please. competition, oh, and we should not be changing the rules yeah. on the fair, last fair. game. Like triple captain. Uh. <laughs> but less. If <laughs> the people who want to do no this, there's no chip. But uh, let's keep it snappy so people listening don't turn it off now. Uh, so City Villa, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I will go first. I think City will win three one. Kaiser first. Four nil. This two uh, nil. 2-0, so we're all predicting uh, wins for City and City will be crowned champions, uh, which is, yeah, it's a bit sad. But okay, fine. Norwich Spurs next. I will go again since I'm <laughs> last. I think Spurs will win 4-0. Vis? Uh, 3-0. Kaiser? Uh, yeah. Ooh, tactics, well. uh, Kaiser. Wow, some gamesmanship. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. And yeah, then we've got Arsenal <laughs> in their final chance to secure top zero. spot. Uh I have got a one-all draw. V- uh, Kaiser, sorry, Kaiser. I'm going for a one-one draw. As I'm well. going for one-nil to Everton. Ooh, goddamn, Richard! <laughs> and then we've got oh, Brentford okay. uh, <laughs> trying to get their last point. home game against Leeds. Uh, I've got two-nil to Brentford. This two-nil. Two-nil, and Kaiser. I'll go for a 1-1 one, one again. A 1-1 one, one <sighs> again. And finally, I've got Burnley to draw, unfortunately, with Newcastle. 1-1 one, one at the end. Who went first? I think Kaiser has to go now. Uh, I think it's be 2-1 to Newcastle. Mm, I want to say 2-1 to Newcastle, but... Yeah, laugh. Uh, 2-1 to Newcastle, laugh. 200 Newcastle. Oof. So based on that, we've mm. in, we're in agreement about City winning the title, Spurs securing fourth, but it's unclear about who gets relegated. So we look back at our final score predictor in our season review. But until then, it's been the Bola Boys. Thank you. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you're, you, you, you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>